Welcome to the Premier League Forever Forest podcast. Welcome back to the Forever Forest podcast. It's a, a slightly gloomier feeling entering the podcast than it has been for a little while. The Reds are off the back of a Premier League defeat to Fulham 2-0 away from home. Joining me tonight, we've got all the way from the States, we've got Dan White. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good, thank you very much. Did you have a good weekend? Was Super Bowl big, actually? Um, I'm imagining it was fairly important over there yeah it was quite so everyone's a bit baffled still why um they play it on a sunday night and then monday is like back to work it's ridiculous to be honest the timing <laughs> of it so all the kids are excited oh it's super bowl and like, yeah you gotta go to bed so see you later so um yeah, yeah they need to they need to sort that out a public holiday or something but yeah it was good good lots of slipping around in the super bowl as well yeah, and including the pitch in and out of the stadium. A lot of uh, a lot of criticism for a waste of water in the middle of the desert, which is uh, kind of hard to argue with, really, but fair enough. Uh, also joining us from this nation's capital, Holly Royal. How are you doing, Holly? I'm good, Kieran. How are you doing? Um, I've been better. I've been better. Uh, as Dan was just talking about the uh, Super Bowl there, part of that's just being tired because I opted to take the day off work so we could stay up and watch it. Um, I don't know why we just did, and uh, it it was all right. It was all right, but could have done with a pick me up off the the back of the forest this weekend. Where was everyone watching from? Uh, Dan, how did you take in this particular match? Watched in the pub. Watched in the pub. Quite a good uh, turnout. Twenty or thirty folks down there. Um, yeah. So um, managed to get the whole game in and. Uh, We'll get onto that one later, but the only, well, one of the the upsides of watching it in the pub was that the West Ham game was on just before, and it's a West Ham pub as well. So um, that was uh, quite entertaining with the VARs and the no goals and the no penalties and all of the offsides and all of that nonsense. So it's always nicer watching other people go through the pain and misery of a relegation battle. Mm -hmm. Um, Does that mean you're going to have to share the pub in two weeks' time? Yeah, well, I won't be. I'll actually be in England for that one, luckily enough. Um, but yes, that's usually the case. Ooh. Unfortunately, the outnumber is a bit as well. Yeah. Bunch, is it, bunch is of cockneys over here. Is it all very New York, Jarks versus Sh- uh, Jets stuff? Or... Did I think Jarks versus Shets? Jarks versus Jets. <laughs> Jarks, I am, I am um... having a day off, I tell you. Um... It's, it's actually quite funny. There's a lot of um, expats out here and the West Ham lot are probably the most genuine set of supporters out here in terms of they're all proper cockneys with their West Ham tattoos and their, um, you know, all of the, uh, the a lot of, uh, you know, long-time supporters. The ones I hate, the Man U ones, who <laughs> sing, sing in American accents and sing songs with the wrong words in monotone and stuff. That that winds me up. But <laughs> I think they make up a good portion of the actual crowd at Old Trafford as well, but whatever. Not bitter, not bitter. <laughs> Holly, how did you uh, how did you take in the game? Um, by some last minute miracle, I managed to get a ticket for the away end, so I actually watched the game. Um, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I guess we'll come on to that a bit later in a bit more depth, but um, it was good to be there. And I thought thought the following was really good, and I thought the atmosphere was really good. 
completely outsung Fulham, um, who I, I just find them a really odd kind of football club. I think I said this on our chat. I just find them really, really boring. Like they don't sing until they score. When they win, they walk out the ground very politely and unassuming and kind of well done, you know. Um, it's, yeah, it's very odd, very odd place to go to. But no, I enjoyed it. It was great. Um, you know, the Forest fans were brilliant. So, and yeah. I'd always much rather be there, to be fair. So, yeah, I can imagine it being very gentrified West London. Uh... Very much so. It's it's really odd. It's really odd. Um, I don't I don't want I don't want to start slagging them off, but let's just say I'm glad I'm a Forest fan. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, they were certainly glad to be Fulham fans at the weekend uh, following the end of the game. Look, before we do dive into actually chatting about what went on with it, team selection. Where was everyone at with that? Like a couple. A couple of changes. Um, obviously, we were then forced into a few uh, later down the line. But Chris Wood again up top. It hasn't really worked so far, and I'd argue it probably didn't really work at the weekend again. So, before we've even kicked off, are we fielding what is our strongest option at the minute? I've seen a lot of people starting to call out that Sam Surridge is the answer. Admittedly, he's not scoring as many either, so I'm not really sure how you can make that decision but yeah that's me getting away from the point on paper were we set up to compete with Fulham should we have done better I mean for me I would start Surridge I just think he's got that little bit of extra that little extra sort of 20 percent I think Wood's still finding his feet um I mean from where I was stood he did a bit of decent defensive work but I didn't really see what he contributed moving forward to be honest with you but we didn't really contribute a lot in the final third anyway. So it's just, there's a piece missing there with him and I can't quite put my finger on it, but I'm hoping that he comes good. But for me, no. I'm Sorry. going to call it early, right? That missing piece. It's John Joe Shelby. They've not been on oh, the pitch. 100%. They've, they've not been on the pitch at the same time together. They know each other very well. And Shelby in a short space of time, pretty made, well, he made it very clear. He can cross a ball. Yeah. He pulled all the strings when he came on. He was fantastic. Changed the yeah. game for us, really. Yeah. So maybe I'm I'm still very much fence sitting there because something has to work. We can't just you know wait for Taiwo to come back. Um, we do need someone up top who's gonna get us get us a few goals. Um, direct. And when it's not Brennan, and we do need that option away from home, it could be Sam. It could be Chris Wood. But I, I think. Uh, yeah, it will benefit Wood a lot when he starts playing at the same time as John Joe Shelby. I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, Dan, did you have any hot takes on the lineup? Not kind of lukewarm takes, probably. Um, I I just find it surprising that, and I think we've done it the last couple of away games. Don't don't quote me on that, but I think the last couple of league away games, we've I wouldn't even say we've changed shape necessarily, but instead of playing a front three of like Gibbs White Johnson and then a number nine or you know another striker we've started playing Scarpa in there who isn't really one of your traditional midfield three. So we had Mangala and Foyler, right? And then, you know, in the past we've had Yates as well. Obviously he's injured at the moment. Um, maybe it was out of necessity, but I just didn't feel the shape worked necessarily. Like I, I don't want to level it at individuals in terms of, you know, Chris Woods clearly, I'm sure he would have wanted to have a better start than he's had, but I just felt both him and Scarpa were kind of almost I played out of position is kind of a lazy way of phrasing it. 
But I think if you take our other number nine options, um, Surridge or Tayo, they're willing to be one of the front three and play wide on the left and do the running in the channels and all that stuff that all the commentators bang on about. Chris Wood isn't that player. And it also doesn't look like he's been asked to do it. It, it looks like he's been asked to stand up front and get the ball, bring the ball down, hold it up, flick it on. And we're not actually playing like that. We're not really, he doesn't touch the ball much. And I can't think, you can't really level that criticism just at him because he's clearly doing what he's being told to do. And it just doesn't feel like the right shape. And when we've made changes and brought Surridge on, I don't think Surridge is coming on and playing better than Wood in the same position. He's coming on and playing a different position, usually a bit for, you know, wider left. Scarp has then gone off by that time. There's all these little things that I think just the, the piece of the puzzle aren't quite fitting with that lineup at the moment. Uh, and unfortunately, probably Wood and maybe Scarp are the ones who are coming off looking worse than they maybe are because of that. Yeah, some very, very uh, fair points, actually. <laughs> um, I, knew, I knew you'd be the voice of reason on, on your return, mate. That's, uh, the voice of boring, the voice of, well, I was probably just a bit of everything. Yeah, but do you not think we need that? Because I, I, I came off Twitter for good reason a while back, but I'm still guilty of keeping it on my phone and having a little check now and then. And I could not help myself after the game just to see what, you know, just put a barometer out there. Let's see what the... Uh, how the timeline are feeling, and they were certainly running hot. Um, again, it was very close to meltdowns of old. So I do think that boring opinion is probably just needed. It's our first loss in a minute. I think we we how carried away were people getting? We we certainly weren't safe. Like we've still got to get. I think what twelve to sixteen? Are we saying twelve sixteen points? Yeah, I think people do need to chill out and just think about it a little bit. But objectively, it, the performance itself. Then, I was really bemused watching it back at the number of. There's no doubt. There's a commitment from our our team defensively at the minute, and at home it's very telling. And we look like we control a, a game. When we're away from home, we look a little bit like headless chickens. Everyone's behind the ball, and he's just kind of throwing themselves at it. Renan Lodi dives in. After, you know, he makes the header away himself and fair play to him, follows up his own uh, knockdown and tries to keep applying pressure, but sells himself and opens the gap. It's a hell of a finish. It is a postage stamp finish from Will I Am, but um, it's definitely the door was opened for him with a potentially rash uh, choice. Am I being harsh? Were we like defensively away from home? Are you guys thinking we're uh, anywhere near the team we are at the city ground? I thought we were very naive. I mean, I think Freuler was just nowhere to be seen when he cuts back. Um, I mean, to be fair, it was a fantastic finish for that first goal. But um, yeah, we just look slightly a bit too nervy. I mean, for me... I thought we looked fairly... The consistency over the game, I thought we looked fairly decent, to be honest. And if we... We take that kind of level into, you know, the, the away games for the rest of the season. I think we, we should be okay, but it's just we cannot get out into the third and the third. It's just, you know, there's just nothing there. There's just no... And obviously, with the two centre-backs going off, it wasn't ideal, but Joe Worrell really didn't really look up to the job and it really does worry me for Saturday. Um, <laughs> thought of... Uh, of the Man City um, forwards just absolutely ripping him a new one again. So, but um, I don't know what you thought, Dan, but um, yeah, a little bit naive for me. 
yeah, it was like, again, boring take on this, but it was probably, it was the typical game of two halves, or at least it seemed to be. And I know the substitutes had partly to do with that in the second half. But I was just for the first time just now, I was pulling up the stats on the game because um, it felt like when you were watching it that we didn't do much in the first half. We obviously conceded. And then the second half, we seemed to be better. And if anything, up until, you know, the last maybe 10 minutes, we looked the favourites to equalise rather than them getting a second. I did, I'll come on to the stats in a minute, but I did turn to a couple of people in the pub when I think it was like 75 minutes and when this has got a Fulham second goal written all over it. It was just one of those away days that we've had for whatever league we've been in for the last 10, 20, 30 years, which is, oh, one one nil down is a bit of a wonder goal. Maybe, you know, the manager would say you could avoid conceding it. Um, you then pull that pressure on, you're looking like scoring and you just know with the players they've got, they'll go and nick something. And if you look at the stats, it's actually been one of the better away games we've had by quite a way. So when was the last time Forrest had 50% possession away from home anywhere? It's pretty much unheard of this season. And we had exactly that 50% possession. We didn't have many shots on target. I think there was only one, but we had 10 shots. So we had 10 opportunities and we had half of the possession. I think most people would accept that away from home in the Premier League. And we actually outpassed Fulham as well in, in the amount of passes we made and everything else. So, if you just stood back and looked at all the stats apart from the goals, you'd say, oh, that, that's an improvement, especially against, say, the Leeds home game, which was, you know, fairly abysmal in terms of how we played. Um, so I, I was fairly upbeat about it at, in the context of the game itself. And then looking at the fact that the first goal was, you know, a difficult one to say you can legislate against. And the second one, for me, is an individual error by Aurier. Uh, people might hammer me for that, but I honestly think he's, that's happened three or four times this season. He had a, he's had some great games, but he's also made some horrendous mistakes when he's been at pure, like not mistakes where he's passed back to the keeper short or ones that are so obvious, but the amount of times you could stop the, the, you know, the video and say, where's our right back? And he stood on the left-hand side or he's sliding out of position. I feel like we made a couple of errors and we got punished by a team that's going to finish top eight. And that by itself is no reason to get too disappointed. I think to Holly's point, if you tack it onto the fact we play Man City next week and we didn't play particularly well against Leeds, your confidence just starts to dip a bit. And as you say, we've got to find points from somewhere. And maybe we felt that in a run of games coming up, we could have got something out of that. And the stats might say it. So I'm more disappointed that we played really well and didn't nick anything. Um, than the fact that we lost to Fulham in that game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, again, I wouldn't disagree with you at all. For me, Aurier very much at fault for that that second goal. There's no way around it. He's taken a hell of a run-up to cover a lot of ground, trying to make a blockbuster slide tackle and has left someone completely unmarked at, at the back post. Uh, well, not quite on the post, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's disappointing. Um, to say the least. Now, the other big disappointment, as Holly mentioned, you've got to have a slice of luck sometimes. And our injury list at the minute, we're definitely anything but lucky with it. And are we at the point where we've got to ask a couple of questions? about the, Or is this just volume of games again? The amount of games that people are having to play, um, injuries are just part and parcel of it. But losing both centre-backs simultaneously to the same injury, 
we're going to have to answer a question that, that Ryan raised last week, which is who now starts at centre-back when you have all the options. Uh, we certainly don't have all the options, so we're going to find out one way or another who's, who's ideal. Is it Felipe and Worrell? Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, myself, again, as Holly mentioned, Joe looking a little, a little bit shaky. Yeah, really, really frustrating times uh, for, on the on the injury front. Uh, first point: Who are you bunging in at the back for the next game? Is near Catty anywhere near that actual uh, competitive level yet, or are we just going to be throwing someone else in to get an injured? I'm I'm very on the fence with the with the centre back options for City. As we've said before, they absolutely tore us apart at their place. God knows what they get that they'll be thinking uh, to themselves come the weekend. Dan, who are you going with? Um, is, is there a choice? Because I, I think the last <laughs> the last I saw with Niakate, I think the press conference before the Fulham game, and I know Cooper, you know, obviously plays games with the injuries, but he he, he usually doesn't explicitly lie. And I think he said Niakate was back in training, wasn't doing contact work, and was still a long way off, like full training, as it were. And he's been out like what it was West Ham, right? August. 14th I'm going to say yeah. I think I watched that somewhere else so it sticks in the memory that is a long time to be out of football so I don't I can't imagine unless everyone else is more injured than him near Carte is going to be back playing starting games or even in consideration for another three four weeks I guess right I, I just can't see how that would happen so I think when you go through the squad we've left Cook out of the 25 so we can't use him and has gone on loan so it comes down to the two who finished the game and hoping that the two that went off at the beginning of the game aren't as badly injured as it seemed. Um, so, yeah, I think it's two from two at this point, and it's Worrell and Felipe, and we have to hope that McKenna and Bolly maybe come back. But I, I will just say one thing, though, on the injury front. I'm, I'm not denying whatsoever that it's a horrendous injury list. The team we're putting out, though, is still pretty good based on our squad. So if you, I think we'd all say that Johnson and Gibbs-White would start as two of the front three. So we're missing Tayo. In midfield, you're then talking about Foyler Mangala being in there and maybe who are we missing? Yates. Yeah. yeah. And then at the back, I think Lodi and Aurier are our starting fullbacks and Nico Williams isn't injured either. So really you've got Tayo, Ryan Yates, and then your two centre backs who are the key injuries out of the nine or ten. I don't think Lingard gets in the starting lineup. Um and there are plenty of other players injured that just, you know, maybe Omar Richards, but I, I'm not even sure if he exists anymore. So <laughs> it, it's more it's more just the thing of we don't have depth on the bench for me and we don't have the options coming off the bench. And maybe that's why Scarper ended up starting in that kind of weird, um, whether you, I don't know what, what you even call the position he played really, but um, that that's my concern that there's just one or two and it probably just tells you how, um, reliant we are on one or two players but to Holly's earlier point if John Joe Shelby is now fit and ready then I think Foyler and Shelby are two of your mid three um, and really we're still just missing that nine so injuries aside I'm not sure we'd, we'd be that much stronger apart from the fullbacks and I do believe that Niakate will come back and get absolutely hammered because people have built him up to be the second coming of Christ <laughs> uh, in his absence yeah, that's, did, true. That's, that, that is true did so to my memory, what I saw of him was he looked fast enough to keep up with the Premier League pace, but that is pretty much all I could say. He was the most agile option that we saw at the start of the season. 
and yeah I, maybe i'm in that category that's half expecting him to come back and work wonders um it's so that, long ago i've completely forgotten his existence <laughs> yeah that, that's what i mean did did you see anything at the start of the season that made I you mean, think, yeah, yeah he's premier league he's mustard I mean, I went to the Newcastle away game and I thought he looked pretty decent, but, you know, that was it pretty much. <laughs> it just seems like, um, you know, years ago since we've actually seen him in a, in a red shirt. So who knows? Yeah, mad mad that we're in this position still where we're talking about maybe needing some form of uh, reinforcements to this it's, squad. Exactly. I don't think it's good that he has that amount of pressure on him back though either, that he's going to be the saviour of the team, you know. I think he, he just needs to come back, settle in and, you know, do what do his thing and do what he's got to do. But I, I don't want any undue pressure on, on players because I think that would be that would be a bit of a downfall really, but we'll see. Right, so now we've got one eye on the future because I think the... Uh, the rose-tinted glasses have, have had to come off a little bit. We're still looking pretty good. And as I said to Freed last week, very much in our hands. 14th on 24 points. We've gone level with... Well, Leicester have gone level with us on 24. We've got one point on Wolves in 15th. Um, we've got four points on West Ham in 16th. And then that's where the cushion starts to benefit us. Leeds are five points behind us. Everton six. Same with Bournemouth and Southampton. I'm not really worrying too much about them at the minute, but they're, they're bottom on 15 points. So we've got nine on them. So are we at panic stations and where are the points coming from in, in the upcoming run that we've got? Because I think all of us are somewhat resigned to the prospect of, hey, it's Man City. You can't be expecting anything from that game. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I hate this free hit thing, though, because I think, you know, we go out there and just play our game and, and you know, hope that that home form is just going to lift us and try and get something out of it. I mean, there is potential, isn't there, for Haaland not to be included. Um, so that might be, um, you know, that might be a little bit of a, a little bit of a helping hand. But, yeah, I mean, we've got to do better than the... Uh, Man United at home game, I think. We've just got to go out there and not give them too much respect to play our game. And um, you never know, anything can happen in football, can't it? That's the thing. And that's why we love it so much. So, yeah, we've beaten, we've beaten recent Premier League champions at the City Ground this season. Well, exactly. Uh, fair enough. Right. Won't give up hope entirely. Uh, another 1 0 to the Forest. Um, Dan, ignoring City, then where, where do you think we'd be? I don't want to say banking, but do you know what I mean? Where where will we be looking at games that uh, we can take points from that? The the points yeah. that will keep us up. So you've got to think that of our home games, you've got to be taking points off Everton, Wolves and Southampton. Because if you're not at home, I don't think you can sit at the end of the season and say we were unlucky, right? If, if you're getting beaten by any of those three at home comprehensively, then, you know, you you put yourself in your, your own situation. It's then an interesting mix of like some top teams at home that you hope we might be able to get something from, like Newcastle and Arsenal, where you think, you know, could you get a point off either of those? Um, and then some kind of mid-table teams away, like Villa and Brentford. So it's a real, like, it's a real mix where we've got a bit of everything left. We've got some top teams home and away and we've got some bottom teams home and away. But I think if you've got to be taking seven to nine points from Wolves, Everton and Southampton at home. 
And if you do that, we've then got to probably find another six points elsewhere. Um, so I'm reasonably confident that if you look down the whole thing, the points are there. My worry is, to your point about where do the next ones come from, if you don't get anything at Man City, you don't get anything at West Ham away, you've got Sean Dyche coming with Everton, you've then got Tottenham away, you've then got Newcastle at home. You could end up leaving all of those games having not won in five or six. And the danger is the kind of sky starts falling in on the confidence, especially of you know fans and everything else. And my concern is, and you've already alluded to it, we've kind of hyped up the fact we're 14th in the season already with 16, 17 games left. And I think we're getting a bit, we've talked all season about people writing us off and everything else. And we're now like sending, you know, pen pal messages to Richard Keyes and others saying, look, you were wrong. There's still like 17 games left. Like people are publishing videos saying, oh, look how stupid these people were saying we'll go down. We still might go down. Yeah, and, and it's a bit of a dodgy game to be playing, getting overconfident at this point. One, because people will be quick to remember it at the end of the season. Two, because if you're overconfident now, five games without a win, people are going to be, you know, in in a bit of a, a mess. So I'm just hoping, personally, because I'm over for the game as well, that we get three points away at West Ham, because I think that will brighten everyone's mood up. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out entirely either. The... Um... <laughs> Football's weird, doesn't it? And it's whatever happens, it's us and it's playing with my emotions. So no doubt the script will write itself to the end of the season that we're, we're, we will keep having little bounces and then being dragged into it. And it'll probably run into the last day. It, just on the Forest site, by the way, the game that still hasn't been rearranged for Leeds away is currently listed as Monday, September 12th uh on the <laughs> on the forest website so we're really going to drag out the uh, the season finale apparently um hopefully it's still still in our hands at, at that point um yeah so it, I, west ham's definitely a game i'm looking at um as if we got one point out of the next two i'm, I'm not going to be completely destroyed at that everton on the horizon my worry with everton is no one's watched us more this season than sean dyche if anyone's prepared to come to the city ground and uh, and take on a forest side, it's Sean Dyche. He's been there every week. I think he he was there even the week he got announced at Everton. Yep, it's a bit freakish, isn't it? How much he's sat in the Peter Taylor stand, but um, yeah, that's the big one, isn't it? At home, it's huge, huge, huge game. Um, I, but I think we've also got a freakish. Uh, result in our favour uh, by the law of averages at some point, I think between now and the end of the season, who knows? So, um, yeah, I, it's not cut and dry. Um, my mate, after we beat Leicester, was like, that's it, we're up now, we're up. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm, we can't be that confident. Um, and it's still very, very tight, isn't it? And um, let's see whether the the injuries actually cause, cause a few problems for us. But um, I'm still quietly confident, but it's by no means over yet. No, I think no. the, the the big one for me is whether Southampton and Leeds get new manager bounces or not, yeah. or whether they just c- continue to be consistently awful. Because I think you don't have to run outrun the bear; you just have to outrun the other people running away from the bear, right? And I think <laughs> at least two of them that are done for, and we're probably it's now one from five or six, possibly for the last place. 
Um, and that's the thing that I just think we can't we can't get caught having our bad run of form while they're all on the up. Never has it been so clear to me just the differing strategies that Premier League club owners go through. At the minute, if you look at everyone who's down the bottom end of the table, we nailed our colours to the mast early doors by giving Cooper a new contract. And maybe that is what benefited us in that post-Christmas run that has definitely given us a chance. You know, you look at Everton, they took their time to get rid of Lampard, but they've replaced him with arguably the candidate for that job that had Leeds gone earlier, they'd have gone for Daesh. Had Southampton gone earlier, they probably would have uh, had a go as well. So Everton look like they may have, uh, in that game of chess, over sacking a manager, if that's the route you're going to go, they seem to be edging ahead in when they chose to pull the trigger and who they've chosen to come in. Because what are Leeds and Southampton going to do? They, they, all the paper talk is that they're competing with the with each other for for the same uh, kind of caliber of uh, of candidate, which seems to be uh, external to the Premier League. So still very much a gamble as well for for the situation that they're in. Although I have heard Big Sam shouts from a couple of Southampton fans and people saying, swallow your pride, we need it right now. Which is never the best uh, the, the best things to be hearing from the rumour mill of, of your football club. But yeah, it will be fascinating come the end of the season, but just, just how everyone has gone about it slightly differently. Bournemouth's going to be an interesting one as well, whether they can even get, afford to get rid of their manager again. Um yeah. I, that's the one I don't understand. That's the one that makes least sense to me. Um, aside from the the Jones thing at Southampton and how short lived it was, is Bournemouth have got this owner who owns the Las Vegas Knights um, hockey team, and he just spends money. He doesn't. He said it in interviews, but he doesn't have a budget. They don't have a budget written down. He just says, "Yeah, we'll do this. We'll do this." He's very like from the hip, but he he puts his money where his mouth is, um, and. He has spent like I think they've spent fifty or sixty million in January, and the um his name escapes me the current Bournemouth manager, who's O'Neill. never O'Neill who's na- never managed before, yeah and the, uh, and I think one of the Bournemouth fans said it on a on a podcast I was listening to the other day I think Forest had him on for a, uh, one of the Forest uh, blogs had him on was saying they've basically given like the keys to, of a Ferrari to a guy that's not learned to drive yet. <laughs> and it, it's bizarre to me that this guy's spending so much money and wanting so much success at Bournemouth and has come in like really willing to do it and hasn't just gone out and spent money on a big manager either. Like he could have got Daesh again before Everton got him. But yeah, that confuses me because I think Bournemouth had it in them to potentially stay up with the resources they've got and they've just almost decided not to. It, it's kind of an odd one. Yeah. But it could be worse though because I, I read, sorry, I read like two hours ago that... Uh, We've we've damaged Huddersfield so badly they've just hired Neil Warnock. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, we are going to have to do some form. Of, should we have a whip round and just send <laughs> send a basket or something? <laughs> just, we we've ruined that club, and I don't know why. I never had anything against Huddersfield at all. Um, Surely yeah. Colin Wanker is the final nail in the coffin, isn't it? I think. Can you believe? Can you imagine being at a club where you've gone from Carlos Corberan? to Neil Warnock in the space uh, Wembley one VAR decision away from the Premier League to having Neil Warnock in to save you from League One it's it just makes me feel a lot better about our football club and where we are at the moment 
yeah, not that interviews. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, imagine if Cooper went now and someone brought in Neil Warnock. Yeah. I, don't, I think I think Holly's right. It's the final nail in the coffin in establishing a beef with Nottingham Forest mm. is going through everything we've put them through and then turning to Neil Warnock <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a definite, right, fine, we'll, we'll just have to hate you for the rest of eternity then. Um, yeah, they went with the, the nuclear option. Um, it, it's, I'm, I'm finding it a very intriguing position to be in at the minute as, as a football fan. You go through... You know, there's 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 crests with it, and there's there's huge dips. It's emotional, and at the minute, I'm just so in between because we really did go on a good run that has given us absolutely every shot at, at having this in our own hands. And and come this time next year, we could be in the Premier League. We could have the benefit of Cooper having a year under his belt in this league, and maybe being a little bit wiser as well. Um, the likes of Gibbs White and, and Brennan, hopefully that relationship only continues to develop in terms of chemistry. And we could be in a really good spot. But as we've just said, the situation at Huddersfield, football is, you can flip a coin and your fate is going to be dramatically altered. It could be a very different story for us. Um, so I, I want to remain cautiously optimistic for the rest of the season, but I just can't escape how bad we are away from home. I, I just, this Jekyll and Hyde uh, football team that I don't change the bus, change something. Cause whatever, whenever they go through the doors of it, they're turning into something else. And it, as nice as it would be to say that, Oh, it's just, just home advantage and it is just the atmosphere that the fans create as a 12th man uh, it can't be just that what is is there something fundamentally different about how we're setting up away from home it, it feels to me like there is with that especially with that scarper in the three and having a number nine on and the way we play so it feels like tactically there maybe is something different um but it's very difficult to pick out my my um one that I mentioned, bored you guys with on WhatsApp the other day. We've got the biggest pitch in the league. I think that's something to do with it, honestly. If you're playing with pace on counter-attack, absolutely believe that we um we gain an advantage from that. You did point out, actually, did you say Craven Cottage was the smallest? Yep. Interesting. So, okay. Foil, tin foil hats on, guys. I'm talking. <laughs> hey, do you know what? They should be on. Have you seen all these UFOs? And they're distracting us from what's really going on in Ohio. Like we we definitely need the tin four hats down. It's it's time. Those balloons okay. are actually just Sean Dyche flying over, <laughs> checking out how we're playing. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah, we'll see them uh, coming over. It's probably a Bielsa tactic, actually, isn't it? Maybe he's uh, he's got a, a job hide up in North America at the minute. Um, but yeah, seriously, like, what? How do we solve that problem? How do we solve our away form? Um, Maybe, Dan, maybe you're absolutely right on this one. Actually, away from home, we've been way better this time uh, this time out than we have been in previous uh, games. And ultimately, our undoing is two moments, just two moments in the, in the game. Uh, they took theirs, we didn't take ours. But I don't know. I still, I, I still think there's something a little bit hapless about us defensively uh, on the road. How do we shore that up? Because again, we've already alluded to, we've got our two best fullback options kind of set. 
And now we're somewhat just stuck with the options we've got at centre-back. Is it, I think is, for me, it's just about putting the ball in the back of the net. It's like Dennis had two real sitters on Saturday. Um, and if they'd have gone in, it would have been a different game. And it was interesting to hear the stats that you mentioned earlier, um, Dan, because I came away from the game feeling that we were not the better side, but we played really well and we deserved a lot more. And you go on Twitter and, you know, it's all a nightmare and, you know, all hell's freezing over and everything. And that's, that's us done. But I thought, you know, and I said to my mate, I said, if we, like I said, if we play like that away from home for the rest of the season, we might get something more out of it, but we need someone to score goals. So I think for me, that's, I mean, it's such an obvious thing, but um, at the end of the day, that's what wins your football matches. So, you know, so from someone that was in the ground, then Holly, like defensively, would you say actually we were all right? And the real um, problem is the real problem is the other end of the field. Yeah, although as I said earlier, we're a little bit naive, and there was at times again Dan mentioning about Scarpa, he was doing a lot of dropping back, a lot of defensive work, which kind of worried me a bit. It was a bit unnerving, and it did seem a little bit scattered, a little bit what they weren't completely sure of their jobs. Um, obviously you know, losing your two centre-backs was always going to cause a problem. But on the whole, I thought Philippe did well. And, you know, to say that he just comes straight into the side, but unannounced, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, there's just a slight naivety and, and just, I don't know, I just kind of felt we weren't quite organised at the back um, from where I was standing. But, I mean, I haven't actually watched the game back as, like, the highlights. Um but I don't know watching at home, you know, whether it kind of came across that way, but it just felt we're like a little bit, a little bit haphazard and um, it wasn't very assured for me. Yeah, maybe I'm getting a bit carried away because obviously the highlights that I saw, they made a big point out of hammering home the close calls for Fulham as well. They hit the woodwork. Was it two three times? Wasn't three it? times? Yeah, I thought yeah. I'm sure it was three times. Yeah. We weren't a million miles away from that game looking a lot worse. Um, on on the on paper, come the end of the season than, than it actually was. Yeah, I, I was. Um, I think the point I was maybe alluding to is: Are we lacking the kind of Koyati Yatesy role in in that team? A few people have picked out Oral Mangala, suggesting that he's uh, had a little bit of a dip in in his form. Um, whatever way you you, you slice it up, I suppose it's uh, it's very much still work in in progress when we're not at the at the city ground right let's have a look ahead very specifically to this weekend then dare either of you make a prediction for manchester city at the world famous so i'm going to stick with my mantra on predictions which is even if it's probably most likely that we're going to get stuffed i don't like predicting that because I'd prefer it not to happen. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna do what we did to Liverpool and maybe nick one. And I I think I'm right in saying that Arsenal play Man City Wednesday night. Is it Wednesday night? Yeah. So they've got a game. They're on a catch up game, right? Or it's Arsenal's catch up game at least. Um, Haaland's injured and there's still talk as to whether he will play against Arsenal and I'm sure they'll try and push him for that given the magnitude of that game I am going to say it because what I say makes no difference to the outcome hopefully um, they we might just catch them 
at a good time off the back of probably their most exhausting game of the season. And we've come off a game where we've not played too badly and lost away. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say we nick a 1-0 and we block City out. Ooh. I, I, I absolutely admire the ambition of it. Do you know what? I was... Um... I was very surprised by the narrative shift as well, because once all those charges came out against City, in my mind, I was like, perfect. Right in the run-up for us playing them. They're in a bit of turmoil, a bit of chaos. Um, If we can't create the chaos on the pitch, at least someone else has done it off the pitch for us. And there's going to be a heightened emotional state around this club. Now, Pep, bit of a... There were levels exposed over the course of this Premier League weekend and Pep Guardiola turning the narrative into the siege mentality. Everyone's against us. Their mind's already made up. This is He shifted from the Arsenal's title to lose uh, into much more of a, well, we're Man City and we're going to have a go. Um, versus a Nathan Jones, who has finally talked himself out of a job where earlier in the week he admitted himself that he could have just been a PE teacher in the Welsh Valleys. Uh, it, it sounded very much like his career just got away from him and he turned up at Southampton by mistake. Um, but yeah, very, very clear levels in how some managers uh, set up their own situation. But I think it has steadied the ship at City. Their game against Villa at the weekend, they at first I was like, oh, thank God, someone else is going to get absolutely ripped apart. It's a, a, another home win for City. Maybe they get to five six, and our our loss doesn't look quite as uh, uh, as much of an anomaly. Villa were good second half. Villa actually proved if you go at, uh, at Man City, they can uh, they can definitely be be hurt. But yeah, I I I don't know. Is is there ever a good time to play Man City? I I, I felt like this is as good a time as any. As I've mentioned, just that bit of chaos surrounding them. Maybe it opens the door for uh, for us, but we have to probably go in and bully some kids a little bit. We're gonna need John Joe Shelby to kick some people. That might be a bit grim and a bit dark of me, uh, especially when we're talking about a home game. But that's kind of what I think we need to do to to that team. Yeah, no, I agree. Like get in their faces. Break up the play. An early goal would be fantastic. Um, don't give them any respect. And I really hope that we don't get a dodgy VAR decision as well. Because I think that, not to keep going on about the Man United game at home, but had that Surridge goal gone in again, I think that would have sort of spurred us on. So, um, yeah, and as long as it's an improvement on the away game, then I'll be happy. Um, but, yeah, I'd absolutely rip your hand off for a 1-1. Um who knows? I think it is a good time to play City, actually. And then never is a good time, as you say. But I think if there ever was one, and if Haaland is injured, then absolutely. And let's just hope the atmosphere is absolutely electric and we get behind the boys, because I think we would really, really need them on Saturday. I'm going right? to go... Sorry, go on. No, go for it. Uh, well, I was just going to say, all I want... I, I'd take the clean sheet. I, I, I'd i be quite happy with a nil-nil where we proved a little bit of grit and determination, set ourselves up to go and... Uh, be a pain in the arse for uh, West Ham in the following game. But Dan, I cut you off, mate. What, what were you going to no, say? No, I, I was jumping in. Two things. So one is what I'm not a fan of, and you know, people people have their own opinions, is this idea that, well, at least if we lose by two or three and give it a go, at least it wasn't six. I'm like, I couldn't give a shit <laughs> at this point. If we're going to get beaten by more than two, 
I don't care whether it's two or six, to be honest, and I'm not sure anyone does because we're not going to come out of a 3-0 defeat and go, oh, well, that was a great performance. So, it, like, it, for me, a loss is a loss unless it's by, like, the one goal. So that might be something I get hammered for. The other thing is, as well, I'm really talking this up now and I'm starting to believe it. They play Arsenal on Wednesday night. Um, they then play us on Saturday and then they've got the first leg of the knockout round of the Champions League next Wednesday against Leipzig. I, I completely understand that they've probably got one of the strongest squads in the league and they can rotate stuff and still have a good go. But if you look at those three games in your Pep Guardiola, he's not going to want to lose to Arsenal in a six-pointer. He's also not want to, won't want to leave the first leg of an away game that they've got to travel to probably on Monday against Leipzig with a bad result. So he probably looks at those like any of us would do and go, if there's one game that should be easier for them out of the three, it's the Forest one. So as we've all said now no easy time but the least hard time to play them is probably this weekend so i'll see you on monday to dissect the seven nil defeat <laughs> uh right well as ever you reds hey!